I'm happy to be with you today along with Nat Ayers and talking about the Bible and the Gospel is for All radio broadcast over the internet program is being brought to you by the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. I am very happy that you're with us. I hope you have your Bible open and that you'll follow along with us as we study from its pages today. We're going to be looking in just a moment at Mark chapter 12. So you might be turning to that selection in your Bible, verses 29 and 30, as we talk about the importance of man's duty to himself. Before we actually begin that, I'd like to invite you to our spring gospel meeting that's going to be conducted here at Broadway in Tyler, Texas, April the 24th through the 27th. Rick Brumbach is going to be with us as our invited speaker. Rick comes from the uh, church in Austin, Texas, and the Southwest School of Biblical Studies there, and so we're very happy to have him as our guest. And we look forward to the theme which we have selected this year, New Testament Christianity in a Modern World. And that a lot of the discussions that we have had over the Internet radio broadcast has really been on that theme, how we as Christians fit in, how we as Christians and our beliefs as New Testament Christians uh, are applied to modern times. I say New Testament Christian because we're people who follow the New Testament. Right. The word Christian can mean so many different things today that we sometimes get confused in that, but we follow whatever the New Testament teaches. We're the kind of Christians you read about in the pages of the New Testament, and it's that kind of New Testament Christianity that we want to study and apply properly to our present-day life. So keep that in mind. If you're in our area, you're certainly welcome to come and be with us. That's the Broadway Church of Christ. It's Spring Gospel Meeting, April the 24th through the 27th, and Rick Brumbach is going to be our speaker. Uh, Nat, we're very happy to be back on the radio, the Internet radio again today, and we're looking at a very important subject, and that is man's duty to himself. And I think to start this uh, Bible subject off properly, we ought to read a couple of verses of Scripture. And so I'm going to ask you to read for us Mark chapter 12. And I was looking at about verse 28 through, through 30, and then we want to turn to 2 Timothy 2.15, and I'm sure you'll recognize these verses when we get to them and, and read them. So let's have a, a very fruitful and, and productive period of Bible study today. We're happy that you're with us. Please follow along the discussion. in the discussion. You may want to have pencil and paper ready to uh, jot some of these passages down and read them when you have the opportunity. Nat, go ahead and read for us, Mark sure. chapter 12. Thank you, Jim. Uh, it's good to be with you, and uh, we're looking forward to this topic of uh, the duty man has to himself. Uh, it's an important topic. I think it's a topic that uh, if you asked a uh, 100 men what the duty they have to themselves, I think you get a lot of different answers. But what does the Bible have to say mm-hmm. about uh, the duty we have to ourselves? Uh, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Mark 12, uh, 28. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Uh, The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
And then Second uh, Timothy, Timothy two fifteen. Yeah. All right. Let's turn over there. There we go. All right. Second Timothy two fifteen. And this is a passage that uh, is very uh, well known. It's very well quoted, but is it very well followed through with? Second uh, Timothy two fifteen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And you look at these two passages, Jim, and you're talking about the duty uh, we have uh, as men or as as mankind to ourselves. And um, you know, the Pharisees and scribes asked, "What is the uh, the most important?" A commandment and uh, what God has commanded, and first of all is to love love the Lord, your God, with everything you have, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It really in these two, uh, in these two commandments, you have the whole uh, ten commandments, the old law represented the the. The what, uh, you know, we live in the New Testament times, uh, we live under the New Testament dispensation and law, but the the feelings, the uh, uh, the intent of those commandments are carried through in those two commandments to love your Lord, uh, your God, and to love your neighbor uh, are really the old law's intent. Uh, comes through in those two uh, simple commandments that Christ gives us, which is the duty of man. Uh, and then we see another part of the duty that we have uh, as man is to present ourselves to God. You know, how do we show ourselves to God? Are we approved as a worker? And do we handle the word of truth? Do we know God's word? Uh, well enough that we don't need to be ashamed when we stand before God. You know, we have a duty as man to God to be able to handle his word, to know his word well enough to handle it uh, so that we're not going to be ashamed. Well, that's so true, Nat. And if you're following along with us, Nat has read for us Mark chapter 12, uh, 28 through 30 and 31. And also, Second Timothy two fifteen, and and if you notice there, he uses the word love a couple of times. Nat yes. in uh, Mark chapter twelve, and who are we to love? And you shall love what the Lord your God. Yep. So that's our duty, isn't it? Our that's duty right. is to love God, to love Him with all our heart, our soul, and our mind and our strength. Notice how he puts it there: uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, as I think about that, that really consumes the whole being right, right there. There's not much left. If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, uh, we really think of these elements as the seat of our emotions. I mean, this is the core of what the person is. This is the really the innermost part of that individual. Uh, if I love deep down in my heart, deep down in my soul, God like I should, with all our mind, 
and with all our strength. I mean, I just wonder how many times we really show our love for God by studying His Word and by using our mind from from Him. You know, I think there may be some difference here between the mind and the brain. The brain is kind of the physical organ, uh, but yet there's a certain aspect about a human being. He has a mind, and there's a difference between the mind and the brain. It's not just the physical organ, and it's not just the physical heart pump that we're talking about. We're talking about the innermost uh, recesses of a person's being, that he loves God. That's one of the obligations and the duty that man has. Absolutely. You know, Jim, um, when you look at this uh, passage in Mark uh, twelve twenty nine, you know, the scribes and the, the Pharisees were looking, you know, they're always looking to trip Jesus up and, right. and to uh, throw him into this uh, conundrum of, okay, you tell us. What is the most important of the commandments? Well, Jesus really encompasses all the commandments together uh, with this passage. Uh, the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your uh, uh, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, he, he comprises all of this. And uh, we see that comes from Deuteronomy, you know, the mm-hmm. fourth yeah. fourth chapter. But uh, and then uh, bringing up the neighbor uh, that you love, neighbor. Well, he didn't go through every every um, law given. But I always, you know, one of the things that we we talk about is that the old law has been abolished, uh, has been nailed to the cross, and we see that um, in Ephesians and Colossians. But we see here that it really. The old law is is encompassed in these two. If you love God, well, you're not going to place any idols before Him, and you're not. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to murder. Right. Yeah. And so Jesus combines these, uh, the old law, and and shows us the beauty. And we see here, love is at the core of both of these uh, commandments. Yeah, that if we love yeah. God. You know, and if we love neighbor, we're going to do what's right. And you've got, I I really think that's a huge part of this. When we choose, when we make a choice to love God, well, doesn't that take away the choice of of doing ill against God and going against God? When you make the choice, when you truly make a heart, mind, strength choice to love God, Aren't you going to say no to the the sins against God? Absolutely. If you make yeah. a choice to love neighbor as you love yourself, aren't you making a choice also not to sin against your neighbor? That's exactly right. And so yeah. with the aspect of love, he sort of turns things around on the Pharisees and sure and, the, and says love is at the core of this. If you'll love God, you know, that's a, the that's the most important part of that. That's going to take care of the rest of that's it. That's right. It? If you love God, that's going to take care of everything with regard to our duty to God. That's right. And then, as you pointed out in verse thirty-one, uh, the second is this: you shall love your neighbor. That's right. And so we have an obligation there. That means I'm not going to steal from my that's neighbor. That's right. I'm not going to covet his property. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to love him. But notice how he said that, as you love yourself right. or as yourself. Nobody's more important than self, is Right, it? yeah. So he's implying that we love ourselves. That's right. To have the right kind of love toward ourselves. Yep. If we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, then we are fulfilling the will of God. So we have an obligation. 
Yes. And man has a duty. A man yep. has a duty to himself. First, to love God, Mark twelve twenty nine, as you pointed out. Uh, love him with one's heart and soul, mind and strength. And I think if we analyze that, we'll really see that that gets at the core of a man's being. Yes. And then to love the neighbor, love him as one loves himself, that's Mark 12 and 30. But then that implies that we do love ourselves. Yes. And thus the passage in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. But, let you know, it's one thing to talk about that. It, and I often think that we speak too much in the abstract sense, you know, to love God. Right. Well, what does that mean? How are we going to do that? Or yeah. to love one's neighbor. Uh how are we specifically going to do that yeah. uh, or to love oneself ex- yeah. specifically? What does that mean and how do we translate that into everyday life? Well, you know, Jim, uh, I remember when being young, my dad would always say, you know, oftentimes words are cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to say, yes, I love God or yes, I love my neighbor. I love all men. Well, the proof's in the pudding. It's harder to show love. It's harder, and, and that goes in marriage, that goes in relationships, but definitely it goes with our relationship to God. You know, does love take action? Um, and, it, you know, you could examine how this uh, goes together with faith and action. You know, if we love God, we have faith in God. Is faith alone just, I believe, or does it take action? But does love, the love that we should have towards God, um, are we required to do something about that love to show that love to God? Is merely saying I love God enough to get the job done? And I think that's really where Second Timothy 2.15 comes in. If we love God, then are we going to present ourselves uh, to God? You know, and I think of passages like Romans 12 of being a, a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. You know, do we, is saying we love God enough or is the devotion we show in our lives the proof of that love to God? I think that's so important, Nat, and I'm glad you brought that out. Let's examine that just a little more. Second Timothy 2, verse 15. Uh, what we're talking about now is even though it is a basic truth that we love God, yeah. we love our fellow man. What is that going to mean? How do we translate that into everyday activity, right. actual living? Yes. And that's the point that you're referencing. And I find in Second Timothy 2.15 a good starting point there. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. How a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. One of the first things I've got to do is I've got to know God. Yeah. And the only way I can know God and the only way I can know what to do for God uh, in showing my love for him is to study the word of God. Yes. And it's when I study the word of God that I really learn who God is, what God requires for my life. Now, there's a sense in which the heavens do declare the glory of God, sure. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 and that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I can look at these pieces of evidence and draw yes. the conclusion that there is a great God of heaven and earth yes. and the creator of my physical body and my soul. But I'd have to go to the Bible that's to right. really understand what he wants me to do. And that's what he's saying here in this passage. Well, I think I think you hit that perfectly, Jim. I think in the world today, uh, there's this feeling or this teaching that uh, you can know God. You can have this personal 
almost buddy buddy friendship with God, and you know that uh, you know the the thought process. Well, God speaks to me daily and tell, directs my car to where it needs to go, and and I do this because God. We have this relationship. We're so all we're ever going to know of God, all that we're ever going to know about His mindset, how He loves us, how He feels, what how He wants us to serve and worship Him is only through the revelation of his word. And that's, that's all only that's way right. we're ever going to know until yeah. we get to be with him in heaven. That's right. So true. Um, notice while I'm here in 2 Timothy 2.15, along with what you said there, let's drop on down to verse 22. Yeah. What does the word of God tell us to do in the matter of godly living? Right. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So when we are devoting ourselves to pleasing God, the Bible is very specific as to what we need to do. And the point that we're making for the present is that we've got to know God's will. We've got to get into the Bible. We've got to learn what the Bible says, the New Testament specifically, for our lives today. So it's one thing to say, yes, I love God. And it's another thing to do the will of God, to know what that will is and actually do it. You know, there's another passage, Nat, I wish you'd read for us, Hebrews 4.12. I know you know the passage and you're uh, familiar with it, but it's another one that really speaks to this particular point of we've got to know God. We've got to know the will of God. And the only way for us to do that is to get into this book, the Bible, the New Testament specifically, and yeah. study. Now, we believe in the Old Testament as well, don't we? Sure. But the Old Testament sort of leads us to the new and helps us understand the new better. And the New Testament is the last will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it really is the final word of God on any matter. Right. So whatever the New Testament says really is the final word. So I really need to study it carefully. Yes. Right now I'm looking at Hebrews 4.12. This is one of our duties here, yes. you see. If we're going to love God, if we're going to love uh, our fellow man, then we got to know what the Word of God says about the subject. To me, this is one of the most beautiful um, verses in the New Testament and, and talks about the absolute power of the Word of God. Um, and let's look at this, verse 12. For the Word of God is, now listen to this word, the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, we got to go back and look at this. Um, the Word of God is living and active. Uh, we see uh, in Second Timothy 3 uh, that God's Word was breathed out, that, that it was breathed out by God, uh, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that that wrote it down, and it has been preserved for us. But this word that was spoken uh, into existence uh, two thousand years ago is still as alive and active. It still judges the heart and soul of man. It is still what we must live by today, if we want to stand in judgment one day and be acceptable before God. Uh, this word is still actively 
living and judging and 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 directing men's hearts today if we will allow it to direct us. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you're you're exactly right on this, Nat. It, we're we're talking about Hebrews four and verse twelve, and I hope you look this Bible passage up and study it with us. And if you need to, write it down and study it when you have more time. But he's talking about the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active. When I think about when you're talking about living there. Uh, I know this is a poor illustration. I know that. But it kind of helps me remember what he's talking about in Hebrews 4.12. If you take a, a soft drink and you kind of pull the tab on that and you take two or three swigs out of that soft drink can and then you kind of sit it over there and forget about it, you come back the next day, it's kind of flat. Yep. It's lost all of its fizz. Yep. The Bible never does that. That's right. The Bible never loses its cogency. It never loses its power. It's still as powerful uh, It's today. just as yes. active as it always has been, even though it's thousands of years old. It's just as much the inspired Word of God now as it was the very day that Absolutely. it was written. Absolutely. And so he tells us uh, the Word of God is living. And that's what I think about when I yeah. think about living. Yes. It, it's living because it comes from God. Power, yeah. And God is living. Uh, he continues to live, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It really tells us who we are and what we need. Now, sometimes we'll think, well, I feel like I need this. But the Word of God really does know what we need. That's right. We really don't always know that. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of morrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know what? I think I'm going to read verse 13. And listen carefully as this passage is connected. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We need to think about that. See, when we're thinking about our duty to ourselves, we realize we got a duty to God. We got a duty to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. We've got a duty to know the will of God and to apply that will to our lives. If we're going to be true to this love which we have for God, we're going to have to fall in love with the Word of God to respect it and and study it carefully as we should. You know, uh, you made a good point. And when we started out, um, to love the Lord your God, and you made that point. We must learn to love God's word. Yeah. You know, if we love God, but yet we never spend any time studying His word, how much do you really want to know about God? Yeah. You know, how much yeah. do you really want to know about your Father in heaven? If you really want to know His heart, His mind, the only place you can go to figure that out is the bible you know uh you know we we have people uh, in this life that we admire sports uh enthusiasts admire sport well guess what they do they watch if you admire a pitcher you watch that game you, yeah, you're tuned in exactly. i see sports fanatics that are tuned. oh yeah well jesus christ lived and died for us god sent that man that son to die for us it should our love and adoration should be higher for God than anything or any person, but yet I feel that many neglect, reject His Word, uh, just are apathetic about it, or maybe just don't take the time. But we are going to one day stand in judgment, and we're either going to be approved of, 
are disapproved of. And this sword right here that we're speaking about, it's going to be the dividing factor. That's and it. if you don't know what is, what what uh, is in it that's going to be uh, that you're going to be approved of or disapproved of, well, don't you think you should find that out before you stand in judgment? Mm-hmm. One day that sword's going to come down and divide it, and uh, divide the right and the left. Don't you think you ought to know <laughs> what you must do to be acceptable? That's so true, Nat. Each person owes it to himself. Yes. To become a New Testament Christian. Uh, to love God, to love him to the point where you come to know what God really wants you to do and what God wants you to be. A person could become a New Testament Christian by, as the Bible teaches, repenting of his sins, confessing faith in Christ, being baptized into Christ, Acts chapter 2 and 38 or Acts 22 and verse 16. But it takes living that life every day after that. So it really... One owes himself the responsibility. He has a duty to himself, first of all, to become a Christian. That's right. And then to live the Christian life. And if you miss that, you miss it all. And this sort of brings up a point that I know we don't have much time, uh, and we'll probably talk about this more next time. But God wants the best possible life for us. He has created us. He loves us. And he wants the very best possible life. We should not want or be settled or be settled for a, a second-rate life. Right. If you're dissatisfied with your life, if you feel like that your life is a second-rate life, if you are looking for a better life, here it is. That's right. Here it is. Uh, the plan is set forth in the New Testament. It's not that hard to understand. That's right. uh, if you're looking for a, a life that is more fulfilling, a life that is satisfying, um, a life that... Uh, really is worth living. Now, here it is. Here, the Christian life is the best of all possible lives that one could live. And the wonderful part about that is that you'll receive eternal life with God after this life. You can have the best life there is to live right now and then have eternal life with God after this life is over. And so I feel like every person has a duty to himself to love God And to learn about God and to learn about God's plan for our lives and then do it. That's right. Jim, you've hit the nail on the head. We've got a responsibility to to make sure that we secure our salvation by loving God and doing what it says. Uh, uh, The first gospel preaching that was ever done in Acts 2, Peter said, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those people needed to hear about God, choose to love God, and choose to follow God to be saved. And we must do that today. We appreciate you being with us uh, this half hour. We look forward to the time we can be with you again next week.